0: Hello, everyone. This is Mireille Jano, and you're listening to the New Books in African-American Studies podcast. Today, we have as our guest Professor Adam Ewing, author of The Age of Garvey, How a Jamaican Activist Created a Mass Movement and Changed Global Black Politics, published by Princeton University Press. Professor Ewing, welcome. Great to be here. Um, I, I wonder if you'd uh, begin by saying a few words about yourself. Um, in particular, how you became uh, a historian, or perhaps uh, how you came to your p- current professional position.
1: Yeah, so I, I was I was fascinated in history um, for, for as long as I can as long as I can remember. Um, I, I, I remember very distinctly taking uh, Canadian history when I was in grade seven. I, I grew up in Toronto with uh, with, with Miss um, Raybeck and and being. Just, just dazzled by by what the past could could teach us, and uh, that that idea always really really stuck with me uh, and, and and never left. In, in terms of veering towards um, African American and African diasporic history, uh, um, there were there were two really important um, aspects of that. First, first the what, the, the, the stories that always really drew me um, or, or, or compelled me in history were the stories of, of social protest um, or the stories of those that were dispossessed or disempowered to seek to, to gain um, or, or acquire power to, to, to challenge those in power. And, and African-American and later African diaspora history fit really well into um, or, or told a lot of stories to that effect. And the other thing was I I read the autobiography of Malcolm X when I was in high school, and that, more than any other book, um, really affected my my, my thinking and, and and shifted me really finally toward african american studies and to thinking about issues of 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 race and and empowerment surrounding that that question of of race um, and then as i as I got further into my studies, I became really interested in in the diaspora and thinking about how the experiences of african americans really were part of a global story that included people of of black skin and 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 people of all colors all over the world as they sought to negotiate ideas about race and ideas about power and land and all of those ideas about gender and class and and, and all of it seemed very um very connected and, and important to tell those stories together. So that's how I got on my my current my current course. Um, I I did my my um my graduate work in um uh, I I I got a, uh, an MA at the University of South Carolina um I did a PhD at 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 Harvard and and now I'm teaching at Virginia Commonwealth University
0: very, very interesting. I like that that uh, trajectory started uh, in grade seven in Toronto.
1: <laughs> <It's> very specific. <laughs> that's right. Well,
0: if, if only because I I spent uh, grade seven in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. So I, I know what, oh. a, what a pivotal, yeah, what a pivotal moment that can be. Um, so that's great. Um, well, if you could tell us how you actually came to write The Age of Garvey, that would be great.
1: Sure. So I... I- I stumbled upon Garveyism by accident. I'd come to to graduate school interested in studying grassroots political organizing on the west side of Chicago in the 1950s and and 1960s. And in my first year, I was taking a class with my dissertation advisor, Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham. And I decided to, to write a term paper, a research paper on Garveyism, because I was really interested in what I think is the most important aspect of 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 Garvey, which is that he was just a, a brilliant organizer and really um, had a, a keen sense of how to draw people toward him and toward his his project and, and I was interested more broadly speaking for this Chicago project that was later discarded in the way in which local political projects and national or global political ideologies become aligned in the way in which those Broader ideas catalyze and encourage political uh, activity out of local communities. And Garveyism seemed like a fruitful place to look for that. Um, when, I, when I started studying, uh, studying Garveyism, I, I was I, 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 I fell in love with the, with the complexity and, and, and power of, of, of the movement. And I, I also was amazed to discover that uh, although there's been some really great work done on on Garveyism, particularly in the last years since I, I, I began the project, there's been a number of really excellent studies that have appeared. Um, despite that, Garveyism still remains remarkably under uh, under underrepresented in, in mainstream narratives. Garveyism um, is treated by its most celebrated biographers in, in, in mainstream circles very very critically. Uh, and it was and it was remarkable to me this this contradiction between this movement that people generally recognize was one of the most important movements in the history of the African diaspora on the one hand, and on the other hand, really wasn't receiving the attention or or theoretical care that that other aspects of African American and African diasporic history were were being given. And I wanted to really try to unpack that paradox and also to make a contribution that would bring Garveyism into the into the story that people think about when they think about this history in a meaningful way.
0: That's great. So, um, yeah, if we if we could um, sort of go into that a, a little bit a little bit more, and if you could provide perhaps your um, your understanding of Garveyism, right? Both um, you know you in your introduction. Um, that it's an organic mass politics as well as a sustained project of identity building. And wondering how uh, that definition differs from sort of a more traditional definition.
1: Yeah. So I think, I I think that, that the way, the way that people typically think about, about Garveyism centers around um, a lot of the most uh, loud and, 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 you know, for, for good reason, you know, the, the, the most, um, you know, um, politically radical, um, bombastic, explosive elements and, 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 and brief elements of, of Garvey and his organization, the universal Negro improvement associations, um, heyday. So people generally tell the story, um, with Garvey, um, and, and, and Garvey is, is, I should say a fascinating figure that deserves a lot of attention in his own right. Um, but narratives gen, ter, generally, particularly in in kind of the broader conceptualization of the relationship between Garveyism and the broader history, tend to focus on Garvey's story, which is situated almost exclusively in these renderings in Harlem, which are focused around the, the big uh, ambitious projects that Garvey launched in his early career: the the Black Star Line, most famously, a shipping line that that sought to connect West Africa, the Caribbean. And the United States, and to, and to pool the economic resources of people of African descent around the world, um, a lot of attention is focused on this notion that the Garveyism was a so-called "back to Africa" movement, and that central to its politics was establishing <clears throat> um, a beachhead in, in Liberia, which was certainly an important part of Garvey's project for a while. But, but his relationship to Africa was much more was much more complicated than that. And it also tends to dwell a lot on, on Garveyism as an ideology. And Garveyism gets wrapped up in, in debates, particularly within African American history, about um, the, the value of, of separatism, the value of black nationalism, debates between integrationists and 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 nationalists. Um, in, 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 instead of drawing back and, and, and looking at what I think are are much more Interesting questions about the relationship that Garveyism has to a much longer and more globally expansive organizing tradition, an idea, um, idea of of, of identity that, that that people of African descent carried to Africa, the Caribbean, to to Central America, to the Americas, which is the idea of of Pan Africanism and the idea that people that 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 have black skin or that are descended from from Africa have. A common destiny, um, and, and 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 from this, from 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 that perspective, I think Garveyism much more accurately explains, you know, how people of African descent and people around the world um, became became organized under this sign, and 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 provides a much uh, a much different picture than than those that would that would question the merits of. Of, of whether, for example, um, you know, Garveyites should engage with the the courts, or should um, in the United States, or should disengage. Um, it provides a much broader perspective that casts those debates between the NAACP, for example, and the and the UNIA in a much different light. Interesting.
0: Um, Interesting. Yeah. And so, so the the first part of the. Um, Part one, rather, of, of your book is the the rise and fall of Marcus Garvey. And, and we'll um, get into part two, which sort of talks more um, about the, the age of Garvey, uh, which I think is, is more closely related to the point you just made. Um, mm-hmm. But in that first chapter, um, you also um, take some time to distinguish between... Um, between Pan Africanism, um, as well as Garveyism, and so I wonder if you could could help us um, understand again the sort of distinctions that you might be making between those two.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I I I think that I think that Garveyism has a really has a really interesting place in the context of 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 a history of a history of Pan Africanism. Um, and I and I argue I argue in the in, in the first chapter that that in in order to understand the emergence of Garveyism you really need to understand um, what was happening in in the 19th century um, you you really need to take uh, first of all a global perspective and you also need to understand um, you also need to understand that uh, I, I think I think we often have have a, have, a, have a sense a a a, a Whiggish perspective of history that that we've 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 come in in this country in this world from a perspective where where slavery was sanctioned to a to a place where um, you know African nations emerged, where the civil rights movement produced important victories, and that we're slowly climbing out of this hole of racial exclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, when, in, when in fact, throughout the 19th century, uh, we, we went from a period around the mid-century when there was when when there was really a lot of hope for the idea that 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 if we weren't going to think about um, people of African descent on an equal playing field at that moment, that there was at least a very powerful kind of liberal sense that um, all people were created equal, that all people had a right to to certain protection pr- protections. And this was this was played out in in the West African colonies in, in in Britain, in the in the the, the Jamaican in, in the Caribbean colonies, um, the British Caribbean colonies and in the United States during during the period of, of Reconstruction. And 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 slowly this idea that there was a that that, that there would be a place for um, for people of African descent in this new liberal post emancipation order disappeared. And and, and what emerged by the turn of the century, uh, um, the, the, with, with the scramble for Africa and, and changing legal restrictions in the, uh, across the colonial landscape, and, and with the institution of Jim Crow um, in the United States, was a very different was, was a very different world. Indeed, when a lot of the assumptions that have been made by by Pan-Africanists, those um, th- those people of African descent that have been influenced by by Christianity, who believed that um, believed that the African race had a providential destiny to, um, and, and, and particularly the people that had been taken to the New World in, in 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 bondage had been done so to execute a divine purpose that they would that that they were that, that 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 they had been given the given certain gifts or given certain tools that they would then take back to Africa and 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 redeem it. Um, that 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 ideology that had that had guided pan Africanists throughout africa the caribbean and and the United States took on a very different meaning in this new twentieth century world when the expectat- where, where the expectation in the past had been that, um, that that educated people of African descent and westerners would cooperate in the regeneration of the continent and I, and, I, and I should say that that on both sides of this equation there was a notion of Africa that was that was was based on this notion of of, um, civilizational chauvinism or or Western superiority that both black and white people in this tradition shared. Um, But we went from this period where there there was this this, this notion that this was going to be a shared project of of, of emancipating Africa to a realization by the turn of the century and particularly by the end of World War I that black people were on their own and, and that more broadly people of color we're not going to be offered the freedoms that European descended people had promised them was the end goal of the so called civilizing civilizing mission. And so Garveyism grew out of an expectation that Africa would be redeemed out of out of this this, this really old idea that people of, of of African descent that had been scattered by the slave trade were actually a unified people that had a providential destiny um, in Africa and and elsewhere. And, and added an extra layer of cynicism about the ability uh, or the willingness of people with white skin to recognize their humanity and recognize their their rights. And, 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 and Garveyism really took that 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 material and, and translated into the into the explosive movement that, that emerged after World War One.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and. Um... One of the one of the things I really and uh, one of the lines that I really enjoy in the book is that you talk about how Garvey sort of embraces biblical prophecy in the in the present tense, right? Um, and right. and and slightly um, before that, and more to the to the point that you just made. Um, as he becomes radicalized, in part by um, his affiliation with Hubert Harrison and Liberty League, and so on, um, the, this this idea of the, the the new Negro that that marks the end of of this era of compromise, right? This uh, sort of maybe which coincides with this disillusionment um, about what had been promised, you know, as against what's you know what is emerging as as reality, um, and the beginning of a more open um, militancy. I wonder if you could say. Uh, more about how that that plays out
1: yeah sure so so garvey so garveyism, as I said, emerged out of this this pan african tradition and, and and garvey garvey grew up in an environment where he was exposed to a number of these these key pan african and and um, you know black intellectual intellectual thinkers um, so 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 he 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 grew up reading people like caseley uh, hayford in in, in in the Gold Coast and reading. The work of Booker T. Washington and reading the work of Edward Blyden in uh, from Liberia and Sierra Leone and 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 um, and, and grew up, uh, you know, as, as a young man worked for um, someone that people don't know a lot about, Duze Muhammad Ali, who was a really influential editor of a journal called The African Times and Orient Review based out of based out of London. And and the general thrust of, of, of this intellectual community's argument um, was 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 both um, warning w- w- you know b- both both sent a warning to 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 whites that, that they needed to get their acting gear and start living up to their um, living up to their promises their, their kind of the, the, the liberal democratic traditions that they that they touted um, and also a real belief that that there were ways to work within those channels to 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 convince white people to um, to recognize their their humanity. And this is this is seen very clearly in the writing of W. E. B. Du Bois, um, who, you know, in, in most famous, famously in the souls of black folk, is making a very direct appeal um, that, that 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 Europeans, uh, that, that, that white Americans allow people of color to be, as he put it, co workers in the kingdom of culture, to be participants in this, in this intellectual and and, and political and, and social global project. Uh, and and you know when World War One started, there there was there was great optimism in in a number of different circles that, that that this was a moment, this was a key moment when people of African descent could prove finally their worth. Um, you know, uh, African Americans, Afro-Caribbeans, um, Africans. The, the, these arguments were made in in India by people like Gandhi that by serving the allied cause, defeating the the threat of German autocracy, and by holding um, Europeans and and, and Americans and the allied powers to the promises of their rhetoric. You know, this was a time when Wilson, Woodrow Wilson, uh, the president of the United States, was was, was declaring that that the allies were making the world safe for democracy. Um, Wilson and the British Prime Minister David Lloyd George Adopted um, a term that, that that lenin had had, 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 had used um, in the midst of the russian revolution self determination and declared that this was a war for the self determination of peoples to determine their own destiny and um, people of african descent and, and people of color indeed all over the world took these pronouncements um, literally or at least or at least adopted them as a way of of, of throwing it in the face of, of of um, of of the Allied leaders and saying, look, you, you can't say that you're doing this and then not offer these rights to us who are who are dying for the cause that you're that 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 that, that you've asked us to die for, uh, and 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 so as as Du Bois famously put it during World War II, or sorry, during World War One, he asked African Americans to to close ranks, to to serve the Allied cause, to um, to fight the war, and then demand freedoms. Um, after the war was over. And, um, and something very different, of course, happened. Um, African American soldiers and, and Afro Caribbean soldiers and, and, and African soldiers returned home to discover that, that, that not only were they not going to receive self determination as Wilson had declared, not only were they going to see democratic reforms, but that they were perceived by a threat by their respective states who were very, um, very nervous about what it meant that um, that, that African American and, and African descended men were marching off to marching off to war and coming home with new ideas and, and new experiences and lynchings spiked, um, race riots um, spiked throughout the um, throughout the United States, most famously in East St. Louis, uh, but also after the war in places like Washington and, um, and, and Chicago. And this did a lot of things. It radicalized people of African descent all over the world, but it also did a lot to discredit the ideas of this cadre of leadership, the W.E.B. Du Boises um, and, and, and others who had cautioned people of African descent to be patient and to receive their just rewards after the war. And it gave a lot of political capital to people like Hubert Harrison, who was very influential to Garvey and Garvey himself who had begun arguing in 1917 and for people like Harrison much earlier that this was a trap that people of African descent needed to stop pleading with whites for their just rewards, but to start demanding them and to start um, letting go of the idea that the path to liberation um, could be paved through the good intention of of people of European descent, but instead must be won through struggle and through an uncompromising um, demand for, for, for black humanity. And, 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 and so it was, it was absolutely crucial.
0: So then it, this is, this sort of opens the way for the, uh, sort of armed self-defense of the 1920s that you discuss in your third chapter in this uh, sort of moment of, of radical Garveyism. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. So, so th- there's this, so I, I think, um, there's, there's this really, there's this really important moment right after the war, and, and um, a lot of really good scholars have, have have written about this moment in different parts of the world. Uh, most notably, Iris Manella, um, in a book called The Wilsonian Moment, where, where um, th- th- there's this period in, in, in you know from, from, from in, in 1918 and and particularly in 1919, where the world was absolutely on on fire. Um, Europe lay in 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 shambles as a result of the war. Uh, there, there were there were anti colonial protests erupting in places like India and and Korea and and Egypt and China, um, and and in the Caribbean. Uh, there, there were wave after wave of strikes across all continents, but but um, also in the United States and. Um, and there was a real sense among, among people like Garvey and, and, and the people that were drawn to Garvey's movement that this was the moment of reckoning for, for European civilization, that the war had been a catastrophic error, um, that, that this was a moment when people of color could seize their opportunity and, and demand liberation from what, what had emerged by World War I as a, as a, as a global system of white supremacy. And... Garveyism rose on, on that wave and was able to catalyze that wave and and help spark a lot of the unrest that, that emerged throughout the United States, um, particularly throughout the Caribbean, and also through um, also through West Africa and, and and to a lesser extent in um, in East Africa and 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 Southern Africa.
0: Interesting. So, another thing that you you. Uh, point out in that in that same uh, third chapter um, is that Garveyism's uh, trans- transmission to Africa was not as explosive as it had been in the Caribbean, um, and I'm, I'm wondering if you could sort of talk about how uh, a sort of race first politics articulates itself um, in an African context.
1: Yeah, so it, it, it was. Uh, you, you know it, I think it, it, it was less it, it was less explosive in africa because of because of the conditions on on the ground there and because of the difficulty of of, of transmitting transmitting garbiism um, and, and i think that's i think it's an, an important point in, in in general is to recognize that that one of the reasons why garbiism was so successful was not because it it broadcast a defiant and uncompromisingly radical Message, um, which is which is something that I, as I just mentioned, Garveyites did in the early years of their, uh, their, their, their organization, um, you know, from the United States. It was successful because Garveyism, like the types of like the Pan African, uh, Pan African ideologies before it, was was inherently malleable and 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 very much geared toward giving people a set of tools that they could then um, adapt. To fit their political circumstances, um, Garveyism was was very quickly banned throughout most of Africa. Um, the, the 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 Garvey organ, the Negro World, was 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 banned. Um, organiza- organizational manifestations of the movement was, was banned in West Africa. Um, to possess a copy of the Negro World was punishable by death, um, and so. Garveyism traveled the way the way a lot of political um, ideas traveled during the Civil war period in Africa, when political dissent and political organizing in general was very difficult, particularly outside of West Africa and South Africa, by the movement of ideas and um, carried by, by black people who been thrown into this, this global. Um, World white supremacy that 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 cast people of African descent around the world. So people in throughout Africa um, traveled vast distances to work on on European farms and to work in in mines and and um, to work in in various industries that supported um, colonial regimes. Um, there, there was a. a a thick network of black sailors that that had long existed, that that helped carry the message of of Garveyism and other political ideas, both to Africa and and through Africa. And and so the movement and and, and the ideas of Garveyism spread remarkably quickly, despite the the political sensitivity of of those ideas and the the difficulty of spreading those ideas. Uh, And they did, they had different effects in, in different, in different places in, um, in, in, in Kenya, as I talked a little bit about in, in, in chapter three, the ideas of Garveyism along with other anti-colonial ideas, including the ideas emerging from the anti-colonial movement in, in India helped catalyze what could have emerged as a major anti-colonial challenge, but was, um, but was foiled before it could, it could spiral out of control. Um, in other places, it, the, the, the ideas of Garveyism had a really important influence on, on for example, the the, the the formative years of the African National Congress in, in South Africa, the um, National Congress of British West Africa in, in the, the, the British African, African colonies. And in those, in those places, particularly in, in West Africa, uh, activists there on the ground were were both uh, intensely inspired by, by by garvey's message and inspired by this idea that people all over the all over the the, the 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 black world were mobilizing under similar signs they were building their strength they were preparing to ultimately unseat um, unseat colonial rule and, and, and european supremacy of, of of africa they were inspired by this, but they were also in in many ways skeptical of parts of Garvey's message, and they 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 they, they took um, they they took parts of the program that they liked. For example, the Star line was incredibly popular in, in in West Africa, and they rejected other parts of the message that that they that they didn't think was feasible in in their in their environments. So in West Africa, there was a lot of skepticism about Garvey's bombast and and his radical demands that. Europeans leave Africa right away in, in in the early in the early period. It, it wasn't politically feasible to have those ideas, so they re- they rejected those ideas. They they, they took the broader movement um, as a great inspiration, and they also made a claim that Garveyism, if it was to work, needed to be spearheaded by by local people, by Africans themselves. And and this is a message that Garvey eventually learned himself. He 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 began with a sense that with a sense that 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 Western blacks like himself would return to Africa and lead Africa out of the darkness. Um, but he came to, to have a much greater appreciation for the um, for 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 the the, the, the politics and, and, and the cultural integrity and, and and importance of of Africans themselves as as spearheads and, and, and leaders of the movement that, that that he was the inspirational force behind.
0: I'll, I'll definitely want to, um, come back to, to some of that, um, because your, uh, chapter six, um, sort of talks in part about the, um, some of the religious, uh, movements in, in Southern and Central Africa that, um, through which a, a Garvia's, uh, discourse can be observed. But before that, um, the end of, uh, at the end of the first, first part of the book, um, we're talking about the 1920, 1921, you're seeing both the, the sort of explosive growth of the UNIA, um, several hundred charter divisions, um, the circulation of, of Negro world is, is, uh, has tripled, I believe. Um, and within, within a year, um, in 1922, Garvey's arrested and the UNIA's imperial uh, aspirations and dreams sort of, um, uh, come crashing down. Um, you note that this sort of paradoxically uh, makes room uh, for the, the the rise of the age of Garvey. And, and I wonder if you can do uh, two things. One is to sort of talk about what the age of Garvey is, right? To some extent, it's coterminous with the interwar um, period, but it's it's more than that. Um, and, and I wonder if you could also sort of talk about um, W.E. Du Bois' Um, and his, um, you know, his his sort of take on Garvey's demise. At, at, at
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, as you say, I, I, this is this is um, I think this is this is one of the one of the most important arguments that I make in the. In the book, which is, which is that the moment when when Garvey's demise was being broadcast by people like like Du Bois, who who who, who declared um, in 1923 that 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 um, that, that African Americans survived the 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 twin temptations of Booker T. Washington and Marcus Garvey unscathed. (laughs) Um, From this moment, when people were declaring Garvey's demise, uh, was was actually the moment in which in which Garvey was able to refashion his organization and refashion the purpose of Garveyism in a way that really became his became his legacy. Um, you know, as as you say, Garvey fell upon some pretty hard times by 1922. By you know, and, and I describe this this in a moment where, where in 1921, where where Garveyism really um, stands at, at what seems to be an apex, and then very quickly declines. Um, not only was Garvey uh, was Garvey arrested, but the Black Star Line declared bankruptcy. Um, his his schemes to set up um, a beachhead in Liberia ended in failure. And 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 what 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 happened in the general sense was that Garvey's grand plan to be, um, you know, to be the, the the president of Africa or or to or, or, or to build this grand, grand, grand movement um, with with a with a, a thriving shipping industry and 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 all the trappings of statehood. Garvey Garvey imagined his organization as a government in exile and imagined himself within his lifetime, you know, marching to marching on to Africa and and, and liberating the continent. In, in in the space of a short time, all of those dreams came came crashing down, and. Garvey very very pointedly redirected the focus of of his organization away from direct um, away from direct incitement of, of white authorities particularly in in the United States away from um, big picture projects um, away from away from a centralized imagining of the UNIA and instead started to de um, decenter the thrust of the, the thrust of his organization to to try to really focus on spreading, um, continuing the spread of, of, of Garveyism through, um, through, through agents, through his, through, um, through his newspaper around, around the world and, and to spread a message that, that, that was not, um, you know, Garvey is coming, but, but rather you need to take these tools and do with them what you, you can, you need to, you need to imbibe the, the, these, these broad principles of the organization, that we are a mighty race, that, that, that we do have a, a fundamental unity, that we will be redeemed. And it's a matter of institution building and consciousness racing and preparation for the next moment of opportunity, because he argued that, um, that, that the race had missed the opportunity of World War I. It was, it was, it was, it was this invocation that, um, that, that I argue came to define the age of Garvey and provided a remarkable space for a number of political projects that otherwise, um, wouldn't have had that, that space. So the 1920s, for example, was a moment when the NAACP, which had reached, um, which had become a mass organization really for the first time, riding riding this this wave of radicalism during and after world war one was in sharp decline and had gone into gone into retreat. Um, and at the same time that the NAACP was was retreating from from black communities, the UNIA was flourishing across the South in rural communities in the in the in the heart of Jim Crow. Um, Garvey's message was catalyzing um political projects in in, in in Africa. It was it was at the center of labor organizing in 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 the Caribbean. And um, the reason why I describe this as, as an age of Garvey is because I argue that it was this this organizing tradition which built inextricably on on, on the Pan African traditions, um, the, 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 the 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 religious, the um, you know the, the work of missionaries, the work of of, of black intellectuals. Um, that had come that had come before Garvey, it worked through those channels, but it also transformed the ideas of Pan Africanism into a workable and usable political tradition, um, or a political, a, a set of political ideas and a set of political principles that could be and were applied by a remarkable number of people of African descent throughout the world, engaged in all kinds of different political projects, whether it was millennial religious revivalists in Central America or labor organizers in the Caribbean or small, um, you know, rural communities in the Jim Crow South um, or, you know, so-called welfare association organizers in Central America. It had an incredible resonance and, and, and spoke directly to the needs of the moment in a way that no other political project did during this period. Well, that
0: brings us uh, really nicely to um, the fifth chapter, which um, sort of talks about one of the more underappreciated aspects of the UNIA uh, being this, uh, what you call, uh, and I'll quote directly, a sustained assault uh, upon the ramparts of privilege within the black community. Um, and I wonder if you can um, uh, say a bit more about that, as well as um, another aspect that was very um very interesting to me, which is, which is the, uh, the gendered constructions within the movement is another aspect, um, that that's also been largely overlooked.
1: Yeah, of course. So, so in that chapter, I'm talking about, I'm talking about Garveyism in, in the United States and, and as far as, as far as the class dynamics of, of, of Garveyism, um, I, I don't think this has gotten enough, enough attention. In fact, um, Garveyism really and 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 the UNIA, really took advantage of um, of an absence in um, particularly in 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 northern northern communities in, in, in which during you know during the period during and after World war one thousands of of, of of migrants from the southern united states and, and as well as from the west indies were were, were streaming into these urban centers and what they what they discovered were established organizations like the NAACP and particularly the Urban League, as, as well as established, established black churches that really disdained, um, disdained the, the, um, the, these, these, these new migrants as, as credulous and, and uneducated and, and in need of uplift or in need of tutelage by, um, by middle class, respectable African Americans like themselves um recent migrants found very, very few opportunities for, for political leadership in these, in these established, in these established institutions. And, and, and Garveyism provided a space for these people and, and also a very powerful message for them. Garvey, Garvey declared that the only, um, that, 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 that aristocracy in, in the United States, in, in, um, in the black community, that, um, that, that uh, those that should be respected should not be respected based on their their so called respectability or on their level of educational attainment or or based on the profession that they that they had but on the service that they gave to the race and rather self servingly to the service that they gave to the UNIA. But what that meant was that anyone who had the um, the, the 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 investment and the the willingness to to, to give his or her life to the organization had an opportunity to rise to a position of leadership within within the organization, and the UNIA provided remarkable opportunities both for those that that, that, that did have um, quite a lot of education and 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 were you know ministers and, and lawyers and doctors, but it also provided a great Platform for leadership for for um, for washerwomen and 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 longshoremen and and a host of people that otherwise wouldn't have had these opportunities and and made a very different argument about respectability that cut across the old you know, um, African American middle class notions of respectability that 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 imagined poor black people much in the way that um, that, that 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 white Americans did as 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 those that were debased and, and were in need of education and were not um and, and, and were in, in, in some respects reserving of the, the scorn that white people were heaping on them and more than that making respectable respectable African Americans look bad um by comparison because they were being lumped in with 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 you know with all black people into an undifferentiated mob, uh, blob. So that was a very powerful message that Garvey was able to convey in the United States and, and was, was crucial to success in, in bringing people into his, in, into the movement. As far as, as far as gender constructions within the movement go, um, it's a complicated story because, because Garveyites, like all black nationalists and indeed like all, like all nationalist ideologies had a tendency, have, they, they have a tendency and Garveyism was, was, um, um, certainly reflected this tendency to um, to present a masculinist discourse that 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 that, that privileged um, the reclamation of black manhood that asked um, that asked women to be the, the the mothers and nurturers of the race. Um, Africa was portrayed as the motherland with with all of the, um, the gendered associations that invoked and and. Um, and, and 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 so in terms of the official rhetoric of the UNIA, it was very much expected that, that women would women would be the the, the, the so-called help meets of their their men. They would they, they would train the sons of the race to become the great leaders of the race. And yet, at the same time, um, some, perhaps paradoxically, Garvey, Garveyism in the UNIA provided remarkable opportunities for women to um, attain positions of leadership within the organization that were um, that, that were truly remarkable for the period um and the, and, and 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 i and i argue that, that that what's important to keep in mind is is that and and, and this is really central to my conceptualization of garveyism in general that it's one thing to view a movement by looking at its its, its official rhetoric and by and by framing it by its by its ideology, what it produces. But it's really important, I think, to recognize, particularly when we look at mass movements, that, that within those movements, there is a lot of jostling going on among the participants. And what Garveyism was able to do, particularly because it was so decentralized, particularly because it gave so many new positions for leadership, was to provide a space within which both women and men of the movement could claim the movement for themselves and make arguments about the thrust of the movement for themselves. So, um, so you get things, um, you know, you, you get examples within this, this this ostensibly masculinist organization. You get this, for example, this remarkable page being edited by Garvey's wife, Amy, Amy Jakes Garvey, called "All um, Our Women and What They Think," which which was a, a, a unreservedly feminist. Um, Page that, that 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 made a really really far-reaching and interesting argument about the um about about the place of women within the organization and more than that, um the place of women within you know, the black world that that was that, that was truly radical that that that, um, that 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 accepted certain aspects of the UNIA's message and 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 had things like like cooking recipes on it on the one hand, but also broadcast news about women leaders in all fields. Um, hosted uh, debates about the role of women in in the movement, and and and, and more than that, um, presented women's issues as, as 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 issues that were relevant to the whole race, and 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 unambiguously presented women as important leaders within within the movement, and 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 those types of interventions happened in, in communities across. Across the United States, um, it, it happened in, in local divisions as well as at, at, at the at the parent body. Um, women rose to positions of of, of leadership and importance um, throughout the country on the on the, on the backs of the UNIA. In a way that was, you know, as, as as I say, it was it was complicated, but it also reflects the the extent to which these ideas, like they are in in, in the broader society, are always up for grab and are being contested or being shaped by the participants rather than being fixed by the ideas themselves.
0: Well, and to your point about the sort of guess, diffuse nature of garbiism and, and, um, how it allows it, how that allows it to sort of, um, get to unexpected places in your, um, in your chapter six, you sort of talk about how it, I don't know if permeates is the right word, but um, a series of religious movements in S- southern and central Africa. And um, and I wonder if you can tell us more about this, the relationship in particular of the Watchtower movement and Garveyism. Um, and if you could start by uh, explaining uh, what the Watchtower movement was.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so the Watchtower movement grew out of the the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, uh, or other, uh, better known as the Jehovah's Witnesses, which um, which were founded in in the United States in the nineteenth century, and by the early twentieth century had spread to to Africa. Um, the, the The basic the the, the basic idea of, of of the Jehovah's Witnesses at that time, or the, or, or, or the Watchtower, was the notion that. Um, was that, um, was, was that Christ was coming to earth on, um, in 1914, that, um, it was the, it was the, 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 job of, 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 of the Watchtower to, to spread this word, um, to not engage in politics, but, but to prepare as many people as possible for the, for the coming of the millennium. And then after, after the millennium didn't come in, in 1914, it was, it was, um, the, the, the theology was changed to, 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 to say that, um, that that it wasn't that the millennium was, was going to come in 1914. It was that, that um, Christ had returned visibly to the earth in 1914, that the millennium would be revealed down the line. Um, in Africa, the Watchtower movement um, was transformed in a very interesting way. A number of Africans took up the theology of, 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 of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society and they imagined the millennium as being coterminous with the liberation of Africa from from white rule. Um, again, they were doing this um, ostensibly apolitically. They were they were broadcasting this message through the church, but the line between uh, the, the the line between independent religious practice, particularly one so with such an explosive message and political organizing in Africa, was very hard to to discern. And there were great Explosions of 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 of, um, of anxiety and and, and protest, um, particularly in 1908, and then again in in World War II. Um, the way that the Watchtower movement is connected to, to Garveyism is somewhat indirect, and I think I think it 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 speaks to a really key argument that I try to make in in the book, which is that when we're thinking about the relationship of diasporic ideas to political projects, we tend to give a lot of weight to the content of the ideas themselves and the people that are spreading the ideas themselves. And we give less attention to those people that are receiving this, these ideas and figuring out how to actually make them work for, for them to make them, you know, to translate them into local contexts in which they are meaningful. And so Garveyism, the, the way, so, so as Garveyism spread across Africa in, in 1919 and 1920 and, and through the 1920s, In many places, it was carried um, through a series of rumors, or at least it became closely associated with a a series of rumors about black American liberators. And and the way that the the, the outlines of the rumor went um, was that African-Americans or or black people in America were were mobilizing the resources, either a fleet of ships or a fleet of airplanes and, and gaining strength. And that imminently they would arrive in Africa, either in South Africa or Central Africa or wherever and you know, rain hellfire down upon the, the colonial uh, regime, um, you know, throw the Europeans out of Africa and inaugurate the millennium. Um, so that, that was the way that Garveyism was imagined uh, as a, as a far off power that was mobilizing and preparing an assault. And the Watchtower movement picked up on this rhetoric and they began to deploy the the, the the myth or the rumor of the black American liberator as a recruitment tool and as a way and, and and as a way to test the metal of the colonial state, which was both all powerful but also spread thinly on the ground and unable to to actually exert a tremendous amount of resources to snuffing out these types of types of ideas. Um, and, and and so the relationship of Garveyism and the Watchtower took on a cast where the Watchtower were taking mytholog- kind of a mythological idea about Garveyism and translating it into a rhetorical device that allowed them to, to allowed certain um, certain preachers to gain great followings and really pose interesting challenges to the state. When at the same time that these Watchtower preachers were operating, Garveyites themselves, those that were actually engaged in networks of communication that joined Garveyites in South. Africa and Central Africa and the Caribbean and the United States were actually trying to build a very different political project. So you have this strange situation where where the Watchtower movement is is or or, or Watchtower preachers because the Watchtower movement was very diff- diffuse, but certain Watchtower preachers were gaining great political capital from Garveyism at the same time that Garveyites in Africa were denigrating the Watchtower as not being um, not being um, you know true believers or 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 effective purveyors of, of of political consciousness.
0: It's really, yeah, that's very, very interesting. Um, just further, further to the point that you make about um, this meaningful uh, translation to local context, I guess a comparable project um, that you discuss in the final chapter of the book um, is this, uh, the Kikuyu um, nationalism that sort of... Um, it's often been characterized as, as you put it, as a a fictive unity, um, an invented tradition. Um, Mm -hmm. This seems to borrow, um, borrow very directly from Garvey's development of, uh, or invention, let's say of a Negro race, right? Um, And it it seems to inspire um, Kikuyu Central Association activists to do the same thing for a Kikuyu uh, nation. And I wonder if you can um, sort of, Talk about that and, and also, um, you know, talk about the, the, the post-colonial, um, post-colonial African leaders and their acknowledgement, I guess, of their, um, indebtedness, ideologically speaking to Garvey.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so in, in the, in the final chapter of the book, I look at the way in which, as you say, um, um, Kikuyu local politics um, or, or Kikuyu political activists in central, Ken- in central Kenya um, translate Garveyite ideas um, and 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 a lot of other ideas as well in, into you know from a from a diasporic kind of pan black perspective or pan African perspective into a into a notion of pan um, pan ethnic Kikuyu unity um, and I, and I think. I think the way in which that happens speaks very, in, in very important ways to the, to the reasons why Garveyism was influential and important in, in Africa during during this period. Um, Garveyite ideas first came to Kenya, as I mentioned earlier, through um, the, the, the the protest movement led by um, led by Harry Thuku in uh, in the early 1920s. Um, Thuku was um, was a was a printer who became involved with um, anti-colonial politics uh, among Kenyan Indians, and also became connected to a group of contacts in East Africa that were receiving um, messages and, and receiving information and, and and papers about the Garvey movement, and were in, in conversation with um, with Garveyates and and other activists back in back in the United States. And this escalated into a movement in which, um, Thuku traveled, or traveled throughout the country trying to mobilize people in a very aggressive way to stand up to and, and to defy British colonial power. And, and he was, um, he was ultimately arrested and, um, and sent into exile. And, and that chapter of his movement declined. Those people that have been inspired by Thuku in the early 1920s, essentially went underground after that. Um, they continued to be inspired by the Pan-African ideas of Marcus Garvey. They continued to have the same anti-colonial perspective, but they also recognized that that, that there was a real opportunity in the dynamics of, of indirect rule in, um, in in Kenya to make very specific claims to leadership through a claim to, um, to, to, to so called tribal authenticity and tribal leadership. Um, and, 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 and what Kikuyu activists started to do in the, in, um, beginning in the early 20s, but particularly toward the end of the 1920s and in the 1930s, uh, was, to, was to use, um, was to use claims to cultural authenticity, to, to, to speaking to the real needs of their people within the, the reserves, within, um, within realms that had been set aside for African political leadership under the model of indirect rule, they began to make claims that started to look a lot like claims that garviates were, were were making. And in fact, um, Kikuyu leader, leaders were in in active contact with with, with garbiates and other Pan-Africanists around um, around the continent and in Europe as well. Um, the crucial figure here is. is Jomo Kenyatta, um, who as a young man was was um, was fired by the ideas of of, of Garvey and, and and involved in the transmission of, of of Garveyism, and later emerged as as the the head of this organization, at least the operational head of of of, of the organization, and um, and very effectively translated this this Pan African politics that Garveyism was promoting into the politics of of cultural nat- nationalism first in Kenya then in then in Europe um, and then later back in back in Kenya and, and 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 like like Kenyatta there were a number of figures throughout Africa that were that were similarly located in in these Garvey networks. People like Namdi Azikiwe in, in Nigeria who became the first president of independent Nigeria or um, Kwame Nkrumah um, in in Ghana um, a number of leaders of the African National Congress, as I mentioned, in in South Africa, um, and and a number of people that are a number of people and, and, and leaders that are less well known. That during the period between the wars, when in places like Malawi or or, or Zambia or Zimbabwe, there wasn't an opportunity to form political organizations, there wasn't an opportunity to. Um, to express the type of dissent that these people wish to, um, wish to express. Garveyism provided a really important, uh, network, first of all, um, a, a, a channel to, to receive and share ideas. And it also provided an essential idea during this period that was, I, I think, really important in catalyzing political projects that on the face of it seemed rather locally situated, mundane, maybe not explosive or productive even, because they were very much focused on local, local issues on their face. Um, McGarveyism provided a, a powerful message that, that all of these activists held with them and, and helped spread, that, that this local work was part of a bigger project, that, 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 that um, colonial rule had a shelf life, uh, no matter how powerful it seemed in that moment. And that they were contributing by, um, by spreading word, by, by raising consciousness about these issues, by trying to build schools and churches and, um, and, and other institutions that would train a new generation of black leadership. Um, all, of these, all, of, all of these ideas were both practical and enacted by African activists throughout the continent. And what you, you see when um, in the post-World War II period... The opportunities for politics really opened up, and the situation changed. Um, kind of like Garvey said when he when he warned that African people needed to be prepared for the next moment of opportunity. The people that stepped into those opportunities were, in many respects, people that had come out of that Garveyite tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of you know a, a lot of a lot of credit is given in this transition to the intellectuals in the United States and and particularly in Europe. The people like George Padmore and C. L. R. James, people that were really fashioning a new intellectual politics. And and, and, and that transition toward a new type of assertive Pan-Africanism was really important, to be sure. But I think not enough attention is given to the painstaking organizing work that was happening on the ground during this period that laid a much richer foundation than those intellectual ideas for this new era in which those new ideas could really find fertile terrain. Mm -hmm.
0: Um. Yeah, that's very, that's very, very interesting. Um. Well, let me let me ask you this. Um. What what might be the enduring legacy, if there is one, of, of Garveyism? Um. In light of in light of what you've just said.
1: I, I think I think Garveyism. You know, as a, as I as I argue in the book, Garveyism Garveyism is an absolute absolutely essential component of and on the, the the ongoing struggle of of um, of people of African descent to um, to win a greater measure of of, of freedom globally um, to to gain more um, political and economic power uh, it 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 bridges um, it it bridges a series of movements that aren't always thought of together um, and most directly Garveyism, Garveyism provided uh as I said, a space for political organizing, particularly during a period from the from the early 1920s to World War to, to World War II, and particularly during the 1920s, where there weren't a lot of opportunities for for political organizing. Um, Garveyism provided a space for people to gain and and develop their political consciousness. Um, it gave people a space to practice politics. And I think the best way to represent the, the the legacy of Garveyism, because Garveyism is often cast in this in this rhetoric of defeat, you know, Garveyism mm-hmm. is this comet that emerges on the stage, kind of, uh, you know excites a lot of people and then disappears. Um, I think the best way to render the, the legacy of Garveyism is 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 instead to look at the legacy of those you know daughters and sons who grew up in the Garvey Garvey movement and then. Um, fanned out into into all kinds of different organizations after the war, not only in nationalist organizations in Africa, but in radical trade union movements and nationalist mm-hmm. movements in the Caribbean, in um, in nearly every important every important African American organization in the 1930s and 1940s and 1950s and 1960s. There's there are important figures who grew up in in the Garvey movement who were, who were inspired by Garvey who. Learned lessons about organizing for, from Garveyism, which which was the most successful mass movement that that most people had ever had ever seen, and that legacy really I think speaks to the importance of looking at this politics as a continuum and looking at the practice of politics and and the practice of those who seek to challenge relations of power as being an ongoing. Process one that's that's that, that's always partial, that's never complete, that that kind of goes that goes up and down, but that isn't predicated on an intellectual an intellectual arc or on mm-hmm. um, you know an arc that, that would seek to kind of solve a solve an intellectual problem, but in but but in fact engages people in a constant struggle in which um, the status quo is being is being challenged, and from that perspective, um, Garveyism you know was the dominant politics of this period during the interwar period and, and 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 needs to be acknowledged as such
0: well thanks thanks for that answer and thank you for um spending uh, this time uh, speaking speaking with us about your book as i mentioned i really enjoyed um gaining a broader perspective on on garvey uh through your work um and i'm very interested to know what you might be working on now
1: yeah, so I'm I'm embarking on um, what I what I'm describing as a history of rumor in the African diaspora. So I'm, I'm I'm interested in in asking a lot of the questions that that I began to try to answer with my with with my book on Garveyism. Um, but 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 most importantly, um, you know, how can we think about diasporic politics in a way that both is sensitive to um, to local communities of struggle and which also allows um, non-elites to become the center of the story. Um, and I think there, there are a lot of important lessons that can be learned by looking at uh, more informal forms of speech acts and the way in which um, ideas about the world um, around these communities uh, are, are, are inspired by often anti-intellectual or, or 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 different differently registered ideas um i want to try to tell those stories as a way of way of making a broader broader argument about um the place that people rather than ideas have at at, at the center of this story about the global history of black people
0: well that sounds like a, a really great project and i i certainly look forward to hearing more about it and i would uh Ask that you definitely consider coming back on the show uh, once once it's in book form. I'd be happy to. Fantastic. Well, thanks again. Um, you've been uh, listening to Professor Adam Ewing uh, discuss uh, discuss his book, The Age of Garvey: How a Jamaican Activist Created a Mass Movement and Changed Global Black Politics on the New Books in African American Studies podcast. Thank you, and goodbye.